Resiliency Within, with host Elaine miller Karras is brought to you by Trauma Resource Institute, Incorporated. Visit TraumaResourceInstitute.com. Welcome to Resiliency Within, featuring your host, Elaine miller Karras. In unprecedented times, our beliefs and well-being are put to the test. When we take the things we've learned in life and look at challenges in a whole new way, we learn to develop resiliency, which can then be used to promote healing and personal strength. Now, here is Elaine miller Karras. Welcome to Resiliency Within. I'm your host, Elaine miller Karras. And I also want to let you all know that we are also live streaming on Facebook at Resiliency Within if you want to see us in person. I am welcoming today... Clive Corey, a a Northern Irish businessman and one of the directors of Action Network LTD, a nonprofit he founded with his son, Brian, in 2016 in the memory of his wife after discovering that trauma, anxiety, and stress may have contributed to her death from cancer. Action Network's mission is to change people's lives for the better by promoting awareness of trauma, its causes, effects, and recovery throughout the world. Today, he'll, he'll discuss his vision of the world where people stop hurting themselves and others because of trauma and other adverse experiences. He also is probably interviewed and, <laughs> and knows some of the leading experts of, of trauma healing in the world, and I'm hoping that he will share some of his wisdom and gems with us today. Um, but I think that um, one of the things I've appreciated about Clive is his message to the world is that trauma is not an illness, which is something that I very much believe too. It is an injury, which can be healed. Because sometimes when we use the words like disorder, it makes us feel like we're going to have to, that there's never hope for us. But I just want you to say, and I think that you believe in this too, Clive, that that there is much hope in the world. And I I, I see you, Clive, as, as someone who springs like the sprinkles the fairy dust of hope around the world and the work that you've done. Um, and he's going to share with us um, Action Network, and they have something really exciting, a trauma summit coming up. And now that the COVID restrictions have been lifted, um, they haven't met for two years, but now they're going to go in person on June 13th and 14th. And almost 2,000 delegates are expected from around the world with about 1,000 virtual visitors. So they'll all be able to view the talks and presentations for even up to six months afterwards. So I want you all to know, those of you that would want to come, he's also going to let you know how you can register to become a delegate. And the speakers that he has coming, um, certainly I think you will see when you go to the website, they are an amazing collection of, of leaders in the world that are on the cutting edge of neuroscience and innovative thinking about healing trauma. So, Clive, welcome. And what's on your mind today as we're starting? Thank you very much indeed, uh, Elena. I love your analogy, sprinkling dust around the world. I guess. <laughs> fairy dust, fairy dust. <laughs> fairy dust, fairy yes. dust. Uh, that, that, that's wonderful. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, well, uh, I suppose today started off with a webinar uh, which we were running for our Action Trauma Network members. Uh, and that was on, um, it was by a lady called Geraldine Hanna, and she was talking about Victim Support NI. She's the CEO of a charity called Victim Support, which helps anybody who's been the victim of a crime, whether just a simple robbery or a burglary, 
down to a murder or, or, or whatever. It could have been one of their relatives murdered. Uh, and any, any crime at all, they will help somebody who's been a victim. Get and this is for court. children too, right? They have services oh, for yeah. children as well as teenagers and adults, I understand. Absolutely. And to help them get through the court process, which is a terrifying ordeal for most of them. And, and they do a wonderful job. Well, I have to say that I do know about victim support in Northern Ireland because we have many community resiliency model teachers embedded and they use um, the model that I've helped to develop as part of the interventions that they use. So um, I'm so, um, I just love that you're working, that you work very closely with them too, Clive. I think we have a lot of intersections in our life, <laughs> lives to doing different things that are touching people's lives. So as we get started today, I'm, I'm wondering, um, has the public awareness uh, of trauma changed since you first started on your mission in 2016? How, how have things changed uh, in your journey? Well, they have changed hugely because uh, I came across this word trauma, uh, looked it up and realized that actually uh, this is psychological trauma. Uh, trauma used to be just the term used for somebody that had a blow on the head, uh, medical terminology. But we now use trauma all the time uh, with regard to psychological trauma. And um, yes, uh, the awareness at the time, my wife was uh, uh, dying from cancer, and I was uh, fairly convinced by some of the things that my family had found out that it could well have been stress that was leading to this cancer. And of course, now Dr. Gabor Mate uh, has written a book called uh, When the Body Says No, which details how stress can reduce your immune system. And that lets, because we all fight off 50, 100 cancers every day, you and me, successfully. But yes. if our immune system goes down, then some of them get through. And that's what happens very often with illness. And I think what's really important about what you're saying is that we're also learning that that is, in fact, too um, true. Um, many people call it toxic stress when that um, allostatic load gets those chemical messengers there. We have the, the, our, our foot on the accelerator of our nervous system and we're not putting the brake on. So yes. also, I think one of the things I've appreciated about your Action Network is that you are also bringing in people talking about not only what ha has happened to us regarding trauma, but how do we heal from it? And yeah. so I, I was wondering about that in particular. Are there any particular um, uh, ideas that have come about that you think are especially important in the work that you've been doing since 2016? Oh, yes. And you mentioned at the start about the awareness. I mean, trauma, people didn't think about it at all. Yeah. Uh, but then there are certain celebrities, I won't name them, but there are certain celebrities who have been in the public eye on media talking about their own family trauma, personal trauma. And uh, that has, I think, helped people to understand that this is something which is quite widespread. Um, and then you get um, accidents taking place. You get Ukraine, which I think we're going to talk a little bit about later. Yeah. But you can have a car accident. Uh, you can have, um, well, you, you get the sort of community trauma where in Northern Ireland, for example, we had divisions between groups of communities, and you can actually get a community trauma. So there are all sorts of traumas, but perhaps I could just very briefly explain what trauma is. What yeah, please. Yeah, I think that would be wonderful to hear your, your vista of it in the research and in the people that you've been exposed to since 2016 and your journey beginning. 
Yeah, and I, I feel somewhat brave in saying I can tell you what trauma is because it's so, so difficult to get it right and to be accurate in this. But essentially, uh, it's a series of, of events uh, that form a template in the back of your mind. And I'd like listeners to realize that your brain is, is obviously composed of different parts, but there's a prefrontal cortex or a piece right at the front which is the thinking part of your brain. And that's the bit that lets me know that you're called Elaine and that we're on Voice America, and it's the thinking part. But then right behind that is a huge bulk of limbic system. And that limbic system is running our lives. It's, it's allowing me to blink, move my hands when I'm talking to you. I'm not thinking about that, it just happens automatically. Uh, and this is the autonomous part of the way the brain works. And then at the very, very back of all of that is a very ancient part, which they, the experts reckon is about 2 million years old. <laughs> it hasn't changed much since that. And that is our survival instinct. And I'll not use sort of fancy words. I mean, it's called the amygdala, but there's a lot of other little bits and pieces that go along with it. But it's called the survival instinct. And that remembers a template. So let's say, Elaine, you were driving along this morning, came up to traffic lights, you saw a red car come out of the right-hand side and it crashed right into your car. That goes into your brain as a, a, a risk thing. Now, after you've recovered from that and the insurance has been paid, in maybe a six months, a year's time, you're driving along a road and a red car suddenly comes out from the right-hand side. You don't even think about it. Your right foot jams on the brake, you swerve, and you haven't thought about it at all. That's your survival instinct, telling you what to do to prevent that accident happening again. You know, I just, I love the way you so simply um, described it. I've heard it described in so many different ways. But I think the other thing I just want to underscore is that we are designed as human beings to survive. Yes. And because we have these mechanisms that we're not even thinking about, no. um, because we have this template of memory, that it generalizes to other situations that could have could put us into danger to say, yeah. oh, my goodness, remember, Elaine, anything, a red car could be dangerous if it could talk to us, right? So yeah. then we make a reaction that is a behavioral reaction that hopefully can keep us safer. So yes. I, I think that's so important for us all to know, because I think these, these automatic reminders, sometimes people... Um, are confused by them and sometimes yeah. think there's something wrong with them because they have these reminders. Yeah. And it's just the way that we're designed. And that doesn't mean that these reminders can sometimes get in the way of our life. If they're one person once time told me she felt that when she left her house, there were landmines everywhere of the reminders of the trauma that she has. Yeah. But I think that's the other thing that I appreciate about, you know, you have put a lot of effort into researching the different methods and modalities of trauma healing. So, um, knowing that now we have this working definition, what are some, what's, what are, what has led you and what are the conclusions that you've drawn from what you've learned? Because if this is something that happens, I think all of us, and the, we har hardly any of us will get out of the world of having some kind of trauma. Yeah. And so, what are your conclusions? Well, the, the thing about trauma is that it is always so different, and to every person it's different. So there could be 10 people in a bus that crashes. Every single person in that bus will have a different response. And a lot of that will depend upon how resilient they are. I mean, you called your show Resiliency. 
if they were well attached as children and were uh, had a had a good life without too many too much bullying or anything like that they will be much more resilient than somebody else who's perhaps more nervous didn't have attachment and this is how trauma affects different people in different ways could i also mention that it's uh, it, trauma is also uh, dependent upon the type of accident so for example if you have personal torture you're likely to have about 95% chance of PTSD that's post traumatic stress disorder if you have a terrorist act you're caught up in a bombing of some sort it's a 50% chance if you have a road traffic accident it's a 25% chance and if you're caught up in a natural disaster like a tsunami or something like that 5% now isn't that a huge difference so when yes. people hurt people the trauma is far far worse and i think that you know this is really we'll talk about it again but i think this is an important conversation right now as we have an active conflict in um, the Russians invading Ukraine. But I also want to say we have other conflicts in other parts of the world, but they're just not getting the same amount of attention. Yes. But so when we do have people that cause intentional harm to other people, it's not the course of the way we're supposed to be treating others. So it is very then understandable why that might be um, harder. It's like the moral injury of yes. conflict and terrorism, of war, it's not what we expect our fellow humans to do. And an important thing to maybe bring in at this stage is that when healing trauma, one of the most difficult things you have as a as a therapist or a clinician is to get the person over to wanting to help and help themselves, because there's something called dissociation, and this is a, a safety valve, a safety factor. A trauma brain doesn't want anybody to know about it, uh, and somebody who's had trauma, perhaps they've been sexually abused or they've been violently abused or whatever, the last thing they want to do is for somebody to ask them a question that opens that Pandora's box. The lid flies open, and all these memories come flooding out. So they will deny it. They will say, "I'd rather not talk about." It. And the skill of the therapist is actually getting them to be. Feeling in a safe place, and that they trust the therapist. Those are the two big, big things. When you've got that trust, when they're feeling safe, the therapist can very, very gently start to talk about the trauma. Well, and I think the other thing um, that's important to also mention is that not everybody has the advantages of having a therapist, exactly. and so there's other kinds of you know, healing modalities that I think have existed through the ages that have helped people in the different um, cultural um, practices and ways to also help with healing. But yeah. I think that in my experience too, finding a place that's, I often use the word safer because many people who've had trauma never feel completely safe, but if mm. they can feel safer, then those kinds of conversations can begin to happen, like you say, yes. that can be amazingly healing. But I also want to say something too about you, Clive, because I think this is important for our listeners. Clive, are you a psychotherapist? No. No, you're not. And so, no. and, I'm, and I'm asking that on purpose because Clive has learned about trauma and healing. And so it's really important for all of you to know that in order to, to also help people that are in your family, your community, 
you don't have to be a psychotherapist to do that because that limits the amount of people that are the helpers that actually can reach out into the world and say, oh, let me bring you some ideas. Because Clive, I know that you in your work have brought healing to many people, but it hasn't been as a psychotherapist. No. Right? So I would just be curious about how do you view yourself along those lines? Because you really are, I would call you in my terms, you're an ambassador of trauma healing in the world. (laughs) Very important ambassador, but that's my vista. But how do you look at yourself along those lines? Well, that's very generous. I I use a number of sort of uh, things to help me. One of them is to try and develop compassion, firstly for myself, uh, and love and understanding and sensitivity. And if you can apply those things, particularly love, and I'm not meaning romantic love, although that might be there somewhere. I'm talking about love of people, not being judgmental. When you go along and you you see somebody uh, who's drunk lying on the road and somebody else says, oh, look at that drunken bee or whatever. That's not a very helpful comment. If you can think of that person as somebody who's lying in the road, they've fallen down, they're drunk. Why are they drunk? They're probably, it's a, probably a coping strategy because alcohol and drug addiction and all of these big, big addictions are coping strategies. So that per- person down there needs your love and your compassion, not your ridicule and not your words of just writing them off as no good. If you can get to that person and help them, my goodness. And the other thing is that, look, this is a bit selfish. When I help somebody, I feel absolutely wonderful. You get a heck of a buzz. when some, <laughs> I, true. I did a bit of a, I learned a, over a two-day thing, a, a thing called Rewind, which is a, a hypnosis. And there's a, a girl, uh, I'll not mention any names, but uh, in 35 minutes, I did this rewind therapy. And at the end of it, I woke her up back from the dream trance state. And she looked at me and said, you've just changed my life. Oh my goodness. And that was 35 minutes. Yes. Yes. In something that I'd learned in the previous 48 hours. Uh, and that sort of thing, it drives me on. And, uh, but my, my, if you like the Holy grail is to heal trauma on a bigger scale, because as you say, one-to-one, you just can't be doing, you know, we're not going to heal yes, the world on a one-to-one basis. No, no, it's true. And so that's where I think that's um, how we help people understand some of the innovations that are happening in the world. And even what you're talking about, I haven't heard of this particular hypnosis um, that you're talking about. But I think that um, widening our lens about the things that heal are very important. And even um, those of our Voice America listeners, Clive has a picture behind him that is of two horses. And we know that equine therapy, for example, is very healing. And they've done a lot of work for people, for children who've had trauma. And in the U.S., they've had a lot of um, work with the equine therapy with our war veterans coming back from war. And so... I mean, I think that's the other part about having your smorgasbord of all the different people you bring to your um, symposium is, um, is that your intention to give people a lot of different ideas Absolutely. of what they may be able to embrace? I, you know, I'm just curious about, because you have quite a few people that come to your symposium, but you also invite um, many, many guests from around the world. Yes. I, I, and really to make them think, to make them understand that love, compassion, and understanding help. And they've got to have it for themselves first. 
very hard to heal somebody else if you haven't gone through it yourself. Could yes. I come back very briefly? You yes, talked earlier on about diagnosis and doctors and so on. And I'm very wary of diagnosis because it becomes a label. And that label, sometimes it's helpful to get you some extra help with your schooling or children or whatever, but you don't want it to be directing your life. And I like to talk about behaviors. I will say that somebody has got autistic behaviors or even schizophrenic behaviors, rather than saying they are a schizophrenic or they are autistic. I don't think that helps because a lot of these things can actually change. And ADHD, which of course is very widespread, and there's been a lot of drug companies making a lot of money out of the various drugs. But ADHD, I know a couple of very, very senior therapists who would say, when you, when you solve the trauma, solve the attachment problems, the ADHD falls away. Well, and I think that you're bringing up something that we often talk about on this show, and I think it's it's important to mention it in case we have any first-time listen, listeners, that you're talking, too, about something that we, we call trauma-informed. And mm-hmm. trauma-informed really asks the basic question when you see a behavior that may be troubling as what has happened to that person. It yes. doesn't go into, oh, that person's bad, they need to be punished. It yes. goes into the idea of what's happened to them and can we show uh, compassionate consideration for them? And I've always add the next step is what are their strengths? What yeah. is it that there are their assets that we can build upon and remind them of? Because I think this goes directly into what you're talking about is that I think that we have disordered everybody on the planet. <laughs> and, yes. so, and so then people then swallow that and say, oh, well, this is what I am. And sometimes then people put themselves in a box of what other people have projected upon them. And then they don't get to live as fully as they can if they understand that maybe this is a a challenge that they have, but a challenge where they can learn new skills, new ways of being with whatever that challenge is in Mm. order to have a more fulfilled life. And I I feel the same way. I talk about there's six different domains that I've asked the same questions all over the world. So since the trauma has happened, what has you, have you seen changes in thinking, changes in feeling, changes in your body physically, spiritual changes, behavioral changes, and relationship changes. And Clive, what's been so extraordinary for me asking those six questions, I've asked them in Nepal, in Tanzania, in the Philippines, in America, in the UK, in Northern Ireland, the answers are all the same. But if yes. you took those buckets and you circled them, you can go, oh, there's ADHD. Oh, there's bipolar disorder. You yes. see what I'm saying? And yes. so then people then say, I'm a weak, there's something wrong with me person, rather than I am a human being with maybe a biological challenge, but something that healing is available yes. for. And I think one we're the, like-minded about that. Yeah. Uh, one of the most important things I've learned is that when I, mean, I used to think about the brain Uh, being on top of your head, and that's a separate (laughs) part. And then there's the rest of your body. But actually, in the world that I'm now in, the mind and the body are as one. And the heart and the brain are so strongly linked in the stomach. When you've only got to, to feel passion, either for what you're doing or for something, and you suddenly find your tummy's rumbling. And, yes. that, and, and that's all linked. So the mind-body connection is very, very powerful. Well, and, you know, I think we've always had those colloquialisms in our language, like, oh, I have a gut feeling. But we've also learned to dispel. What is it Descartes said? I think, therefore I am. 
But yeah. I, I want to say I sense and I feel, therefore I am. And I think as well. You know? So it's kind uh-huh. of like we've left the neck out, but it is absolutely connected, right? Yes. And, and a lot of therapists will actually say to the client, where do you feel this? Do, do you feel this in your body somewhere? And they'll ask the client to think about the body because whenever you do have a trauma or you're anxious or depressed or whatever, the last thing you do is think about your body. So to encourage you to think about your body is a, is a very important thing. And uh, Peter Levine, uh, in one of his books, gave me uh, a little hint that I use almost every day. When in the shower, turn on the shower, have your back to it, and move from side to side and just say right shoulder, left shoulder. <laughs> Lean forward and say neck, lower back. And just being in touch with your body and realizing that it's all connected just takes you out of yourself, if you like to put it that way, and actually connects you better with everything that's going on. Well, I think you're right. And I, and I, often, um, I often will say something similarly when I say to someone, well, you know, do you have to do the dishes every day? And when you're, the water is touching your hand, just even be aware. So is the water yes. warm? Is it cool? Do you like exactly. the water touching your hands? And yes. I have I've found out that many people like to do the dishes, but they don't necessarily tell everybody they, want it. they like to do the dishes. And, and but it's when, because of the sensory experience of it, right? And when you go for a walk, make it a mindful walk. As you're walking, don't put on headphones and listen to the latest thing on, on, on YouTube or whatever. Listen to the air around you, the bird song, all the different things. Feel the breeze on your cheeks. Feel the temperature. Think about your feet con- contacting the ground and so on. All of that makes that a mindful walk, which makes you much more relaxed at the end of it. Well, and I think that one of the things that um, um, those of us, um, like both of us who believe so much in the biological and the somatic um, aspects of healing is that trauma happens in the body. Mm. And, and so, so many modalities have only dealt with the cognitive prefrontal cortex and not yes. with the sensory system. Yes. And so that is really, I think we all want you to know that really to, if you're thinking about going to therapy, you really want to try to find someone who is a somatically oriented therapist who will bring the body into the equation. Because if you only talk to someone who does cognitive models, you're going to leave out a huge part of what might bring healing to you. I just interviewed a guest last week named Sydney Turner, um, and I was really impressed by her. And she said on the show, has she had had a lot of trauma in her life? And she had gone to a therapist that made her feel like, um, well, she was never going to get better. And it wasn't until she started to dance and move her body that healing yeah. started coming to her. And I'm, I'm, I wanted, felt that that was worth repeating. And maybe we can talk a little bit more after we come back from the break about yeah. some of the other kinds of, um, you know, one of the questions I think is, is there a magic, is there a, a silver bullet? I don't believe there is just one, but let's just talk a little bit more about some of those kinds of healing practices. Yeah. And um, I would love to get your opinion because I don't think um, – Clive, there's as many people that are as well-versed as you are and have probably spoken to some of the leaders in the field as much as you have in terms of the work that you've done. Yeah, it's been a wonderful experience. Yes. So we will be back in in just a few moments and we'll hear more from Clive. And and also, he's going to tell us a little bit more too about I'd love to hear about the spe- a little bit more about the speakers that you're coming. Is there a particular theme for the um, symposium in June? 
And, um, and also, just those of you that want to come in person, if you haven't been to Northern Ireland, it is so beautiful there. And I have never been, I think of all, you know, honestly, I've been to many places around the world, as you know, Clive, but I think Northern Ireland and Belfast is one of the places that I've been the most uh, well-received and treated like such a family member. I don't know if that's just the Irish way or what, but I well, feel like yes, they, Irish, they even though I'm not. <laughs> the, the irony is that although we've had a lot of violence, we, we tend to be very nice to visitors. <laughs> you are very nice to visitors. And there's also <laughs> some very lively music that you can hear in Northern Ireland as well. But we'll talk more about that when we come yeah. back from our break. So we'll be yeah. back in, in just a minute, a couple of minutes, and we will continue our conversation. And okay. remember, this is Elaine miller Karras, and we're at Voice America. And I'm with Clive Corey from Action Network from way across the ocean from me, Northern Ireland in beautiful Belfast. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. The Trauma Resource Institute is a nonprofit organization cultivating trauma-informed and resiliency-focused individuals and communities worldwide. Our mission is to take people from despair to hope. We believe in a world where every child and adult has the capacity to recover from highly stressful and traumatic experiences. Check out iChill, our free app that helps you learn the wellness skills of the community and trauma resiliency models. Go to TraumaResourceInstitute.com for more information. Elaine miller Karras' book, Building Resiliency to Trauma, The Trauma and Community Resiliency Models, is available on Amazon.com. The book is about how to cultivate resiliency during and in the aftermath of traumatic experiences. The book also addresses body-based trauma interventions combined with psychoeducation about the biology of trauma and resiliency. Elaine also offers personal consultations. For more information, you can contact her at elaine at resiliencywithin.com. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Elaine miller Karras co-founded the Trauma Resource Institute, Incorporated. The Institute provides trainings on the models Elaine developed, the Community Resiliency Model, or CRM, and the Trauma Resiliency Model, or TRM. If you would like more information about the Trauma Resource Institute or how to participate in trainings, visit the Institute's website at traumaresourceinstitute.com. That's traumaresourceinstitute.com. Trauma Resource Institute. Build resilience, awaken hope. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency Podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Your life, your health, 
your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. This is Resiliency Within with Elaine Miller Karras. To reach the show during our live broadcast, please call in to 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Elaine at resiliencywithin.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back. I'm Elaine Miller Karras, and I'm here with Clive Corey from. Action Trauma LTD. I was saying Action Network is Action Trauma. And if you want to get more information about um, his organization and the symposium, it's actiontrauma.com. Is that correct, Clive? Yes, that's it. Yes. All right. So we want to make sure we we send you to the right the right web page. So we were talking before the break, um, and the question is: Is there any magic or silver bullet when it comes to healing trauma? So how would you respond to that question? Um, Well, I've tried quite a lot. Part of my research meant that I looked up the different modalities. These are healing methods. And then I would actually go and put myself forward as a guinea pig and go through a session of, I've done nearly all of them in one way or another to see what I felt was an appropriate one and whether they were good or bad or whatever. Um, And there are quite a variety. There would be 15 um, really well-known modalities of of healing trauma, and then there'd be another 15 lesser, and then there would be about three or 400 different ways that people talk about, right down to angel cards at the very end. Uh, (laughs) But uh, the 15 really popular ones would include things like EMDR, um, EFT, tapping, somatic experiencing, internal family systems. Uh, There's a whole range that you can see uh, on on our website and which we talk about. So, and so I also, um, so I think what you said is very important is I think we need to have an array of different modalities that can help people because in my experience as an old trauma therapist, not any one particular modality will help every single person. But I do have the, I think I have a little bit of a bias, honestly, um, Clive, to the ones that are somatic or biologically based, because I think that when you bring the body in again, like we said before the break, that that's a very important thing. Definitely. But if if you go to the, if you go to the World Health Organization and uh, NICE, National Institute of Clinical Excellence, they will only put forward three ways of healing trauma. CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, medication, and EMDR. Those are the only three sort of officially approved methods. Now, EMDR is good, is very good. CBT works with lots of people not everybody, and it depends very much on the therapist um, and medication. Well, I, I'm not anti-medication. I look, I use medication. Medication is wonderful for lots and lots of things. But if you rely on it to heal trauma, it's generally only a sticking plaster. Well, I think the other thing is that this is, I'm, I have to say, I do respect the World Health Organization that they do make attempts but um, I also think that when we think about EMDR and, and cognitive-based therapy, that that's also kind of therapies of privilege. And I've traveled all over the world. I've been to small villages. I've been to places after disasters when maybe there was one 
psychotherapist or psychologist for like literally 60,000, 100,000 people. Mm. And so that makes those kinds of um, methods, although they're very effective, but it's not effective in terms of scalability. And I think that's one of the the reasons, of course, you know that I'm very invested in the the model that I developed, the community resiliency model, because I think that we need innovations like that knowing that yeah. there's others as well that can be trained quickly, that can provide well-being, and most importantly, nervous system stabilization. Yes. Some people will never have the benefit, sadly, of, of having a therapist or, honestly, medication um, is not widely available around the no. world. No. There's one procedure I love, and you mentioned earlier about somatic, and that is at the scene of, say, a tsunami or a major disaster where a lot of children have been involved, uh, they they give them the butterfly hug, and that works on this business of uh, bilateral therapy. In other words, tapping on either yes. side. Yes, yes. And they get the child to cross their arms, put their hands on their shoulders, and to pretend to be a butterfly. Uh, I'm doing it on the the, the screen, but of course the listeners can't see that. And the children love it. It reduces their um, anxiety. It does what in, we call in the profession, it raises the parasympathetic nervous system up and they automatically feel good, apart from the fact that they're doing it in unison with other children. And that's well, also very important. That's like dancing or singing or any of these. Right. Things. And I think that's something to maybe we should talk about because also, you know, sometimes we don't think about the relationship issues and relation relationships are very important in healing trauma. And to find a community of people that you can be with, it could be your own family, but it may not be, it may be a family of your, of, that you design that may be a new family, but there are people that gather together and also those healing circles can be very important um, for healing. And even something like drumming, which is a very ancient practice in many places around the world can be a very uh, healing modality. You're in a circle drumming and also you're doing bilateral stimulation. You think about that. It's something, it was like EMDR before EMDR. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Well, let me ask you the next question I have for you has to do with, um, you know, you've done so much work in this area and knowing, you know, the last time you were on my show, you talked much about your wife and how beloved she was to you and your family and yes. how she really did her passing and your love for her propelled you into this whole new arena that here you are, a businessman, um, all of a sudden now becoming an expert on trauma. Maybe you never imagined that you'd be on a talk show talking about trauma and giving definitions and the healing modalities. Never, no. Yeah, never imagined. It's all, you never know what we're going to do in our life. So how has this journey personally affected you? I know you talked about your compassion and learning about self-compassion, Clive, but what else has it, has it brought to you? Well, it, it's brought me huge fulfillment and excitement because, I mean, I've sat up in bed reading books and uh, everything begins to click into place as to what uh, the, the, the common sense has been talked and how somebody's been cured and whatever. And I was reading a book recently uh, by um, uh, Julia Samuel about uh, families where she actually used Zoom and she brought about five or six members of a family together on Zoom to heal all their family squabbles. And th- she found it very useful because if, they, if one of the family members got a bit triggered by something, uh, they could just switch off their picture and nobody needed to look at them. Whereas they couldn't do that if they were all in a room. It's true, isn't it? 
I think I've seen people do that in meetings as well. I think yes. maybe I have. Yes. I don't yeah. think I can listen to anything more. I'm just going to turn off the turn off yeah. the camera. Yes. So I think that's the biggest effect it's had. Plus, it's given me a wonderful interest, a huge interest, uh, and my ability to meet with people, uh, be it uh, Bessel van der Koek or Gabo Mate or Janina Fisher, uh, Seaburn Fisher, uh, Diana Frosher, you, you, you name it. They, they, I've, I've been able to talk with the stars. It's just like a dream come true. Uh, and they, in turn, have helped me with bits and pieces of information that have been very useful. And I would put big questions to them. I, you know, something comes up about Ukraine, I would send it around and see what their view was. Well, and so that you have the ears of these individuals to, and that because they, they know what you're trying to do yes. um, in terms of bringing people this, this greater understanding. So um, how about with your family? I mean, here your, your children have known you as a businessman and um, then you become an expert on trauma. So how, is your, how have I your children looked at, I'm well, I, I guess you, I will say you have expertise. <laughs> Let's put it that way, expertise on yeah. trauma. Yeah. I will correct my, my, my question. So how, how do your children, your daughter, your son, how do they, they, they look at this? Well, you'd have to ask them. I think they've all benefited because a lot of it has spun off onto them and they've picked it up and they've seen my books and they've read that and I can give a view on something. I mean, they might ask me about Ukraine. They might ask me about Vladimir Putin. They might ask me about uh, Zelensky and, and the different personalities involved. And I would give them what I know, what I think I know about what's happened there and how that could have happened. So yes, I think that that's all. And it's, it's probably brought us a lot closer together than we were before. Yes. So I, I, this is a question that, as you just said, that I thought, what, what do you think your wife would say if she would have known that this would propel you into this whole new world of it's bringing you closer to your children, that you know, you're a leader in trying to bring thinkers of the world that are trying to heal trauma? What do you think she would have said or thought about? Well, I would think that she would feel, and this is something that um, I, I touched upon earlier, the, um, in, in the grief there are five stages of grief that have been written about in a book, and there's just been a sixth one created called meaning. So if you can bring meaning to a loss, I've brought meaning to Gillian's loss. Her, she didn't die in vain in a sense. Her death brought about something which has affected me and which I've then been able to do to affect a lot of other people, all for their benefit. And I think she would be very pleased that she contributed to that and, and I mean, I, we were very much in love. I mean, we, mm. we never had a, a hard word between us. Uh, there was never any, hardly a disagreement because we thought the same way. Um, so uh, I think that all, of, I, I feel that as if she's been with me, quite frankly, on this journey. Well, that, that kind of, I was talking to someone about this. Do you, f you feel her, her spirit with you? I, I've heard that from others, that when they also do a deeper dive in trauma, and, and it's not, you know, and some people really say, I just, there's a presence that I feel of that person. I don't know if you, that's what oh, you just yes, said. I, yeah. I definitely would. Uh, I, I'm not a supernatural believer. Uh -huh. uh, but I am a believer in all sorts of things that I don't understand. <laughs> yes. And, and uh, that sounds a bit odd, perhaps, but I do know that uh, things go on. Uh, and there's something called synchronicity and telepathy, which undoubtedly seems to work, uh, particularly when you're in the trauma world. Synchronicity happens all the time. 
Uh, and that's when something coincides. It seems almost impossible to believe that it could have happened that way by chance. And yes. I, I don't think it did happen by chance. I don't think there was anything supernatural. I think it's there. We just don't understand it yet. Yeah, there might be like energy circuits or something that brings exactly. us like-minded people together that causes that. I don't know. Really, I've also talked a yeah. bit with people about dreams. And yes. many people who I've, I've interviewed them here on my show, and they said, well, I had a dream that I was supposed to do this. And I never thought about doing this. And so then I said, well, why not? And they started yes. something. As, have you, have you um, explored it all in your, in your trauma work dreams? And has that been um, anything that's oh, coming Oh, yes. I've, I've, done a, I've done a lot of work on dreams. And uh, uh, it's, it's a fascinating area, particularly the sleep pattern, which is very easy to follow. Uh, and and the, what's called the rapid eye movement. Uh, so you go into a, a sort of three to four hour sleep, and then you have about 20 minutes of rapid eye movement. And in that first three to four hours, your body is healing itself. And in that last 20 minutes, your mind is working through all the unresolved issues of the day, the emotions that weren't put to bed. That's why people wake up, and I would wake up suddenly saying, gosh, I've got it. I've got it. <laughs> That's right. All of a sudden, the yeah. answer is there. And your brain has done that. You've been thinking. Um, but we dream in metaphors. Most people don't realize that. But we, we dream in metaphors all the time. So if you're out riding a horse in your dream and something happens and you see something, it's not a horse that's actually there. It might be a bike. It might be a car. So there's a metaphor in there. Um, and there's quite a lot of people who have done a lot of work on this as to how you can interpret dreams. And so what about, I know people sometimes talk about the universal unconscious, that sometimes uh, people around the world will dream the same dream. Is that what you say about that kind of telepathic synchronicity that we don't understand? Yes, there, there, there's that. Also, there's a chap who does heart rate variability, a company called HeartMath, Roland McCratty is his name. Yes. And they all have little devices that they can measure heart rate variability with. And when he was doing all his research, he discovered that all of his different people who were hundreds of miles apart, they all came on at the same time, the synchronized. And he reckons it's we're all tied up to the Earth's magnetic field in some way. And he's, he's doing a lot more experimentation in that, and that we actually are getting messages from that and passing them to others, which we're not aware of. Well, and I think that's a, a very good reason why we um, it would be a good thing to um, – bolster our immune system and to invest in skills of well-being that have to do with building that, you know, parasympathetic experiences for our body that then also affect the way we feel ourselves, the way we sense ourselves and the way we think. I have one more, I have two more questions for you, actually, I can see as our time is quickly slipping away, is that when you talked about, you found that self-compassion is one of the most important things. Um, how do you believe that if, let's say, a person is having a struggle with saying, I feel like, oh, I'm, I'm a fraud. I don't know if I'm, if I'm doing anything right. Um, maybe I should have done this. I should have done that. The shoulds go out, you know, should, should, should. And I see a lot of people that sometimes have very little self-compassion. Now, that doesn't mean that they aren't compassionate towards others. But if you put, you know, everything in their life in order, the last person, the last person that gets compassion is themselves. Yeah. So, how do you cultivate that in yourself, Cliver? What have you learned on your journey about how we 
it's one thing to say we have to be self-compassionate, but how do you actually get there? Well, in fairness, it, it, it always helps to have somebody to help you. Um, it, it doesn't have to be a therapist. Just somebody who's got empathy for you, somebody who you can trust and who can uh, put back to you some of the thoughts and just gently question you and so on without any sort of in-depth stuff. And that's one of the ways of doing it. But um, compassion is a very strange thing because a lot of people feel shame and guilt and blame. And that's probably what is tending to make them say that they're no good at things and all the rest of it. And those are the most destructive things in our lives, particularly shame. Uh, I have a friend who's writing a book on that at the moment, uh, and it's going to be wonderful when it comes out. But uh, blaming and guilt and so on, it's all part of this. And that's why people tend to go into the addictions. And that's why people smoke and that's why they drink to excess. I mean, obviously, a, 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 a casual drink is okay, and casual anything is when it's taken to excess. Um, and even obesity. And um, the addictions include sexual addiction as well as obesity. So all of these things are, are driven by something. And if you can develop self-compassion, you're much more likely to be able to, to put it out to others. Yes. Not easy. I don't think I've got the answer as to how you <laughs> No, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult thing, self-compassion. One of the things I have seen in the work that we've done is that when people can sense their well-being, yeah. that there is something, you know, a connector that comes to the prefrontal cortex that we tend to look at sometimes ourselves with greater self-compassion that yeah. also leads to greater compassion towards others. Yes. So I think that's the other reason why I'm such a, a big a believer of, in like biological based. Yeah. Um, uh, this mind, the, the mind body connection is very, I'll tell you a little story very quickly. Uh, last July, last year, I got Bell's palsy, which is a freezing, uh, like a paralysis yes. of the right hand side of my face. I thought I was having a stroke, went into hospital. They said, no, it's Bell's palsy. Well, the following week, I rang, uh, this sounds a bit uh, immodest, but I rang Gabor Mate, Dr. Gabor Mate, and I said, Gabor, I've just got Bell's palsy. Do you think that's stress-induced? And he said, almost certainly, Clive, almost certainly. <laughs> he said, you're working too hard. You just had a big conference in Belfast. And he said, that's, and I do the same thing, he said. But read a book by Dr. John E. Sarno called The Mind-Body Connection. And that's all about solving chronic pain. So I started out on another journey on that. And that's all to do with uh, us feeling chronic pain when we don't actually have any pain. But it's the, and it tends to happen to people who are perfectionist, people who are do-gooders, who like helping others, people who are hard on themselves, as you've just said. Mm -hmm. And there's a rage, there's an anger in there which wants to get out. It doesn't want to burst into the room and, and embarrass you and your listeners. So what it does is it puts itself into a pain in your leg or a pain in your back or a pain in your shoulders. And when you realize that, just even being aware of it, the pain can fall away. It's amazing. It's amazing, the mind-body connection. And yeah. I guess that's a lot about what we've been talking about over the last hour. There's one more question before we end that we cannot leave without um, just talking a bit about what's happened um, um, in, in Ukraine, the Russia invasion, and how trauma is in the center of this. Can, I'd love your thoughts about, about what you think is happening. You know, I've been working almost daily with my Ukrainian colleagues from EdCamp Ukraine. Um, 
and certainly seen and witnessed a lot of incredible trauma that's happening in present moment time, but also hearing about the generations of trauma from World War One, World War Two, yes, the Great Famine yes. in um, in Ukraine, um, just the Holocaust that happened in Ukraine. And when so, you realize that this war was induced by basically one man, uh, and effectively it's something that's happened out of the blue and they weren't expecting it and suddenly everybody's plunged into this chaos. And I think for people like you and me who know the effect of trauma, we're just horrified and yes. appalled that this yes. is happening. Uh, and it's a, it, the trauma is in so many ways. There is trauma with the soldiers. Uh, even a soldier shooting another one, he's now traumatized because he's killed somebody. He doesn't realize it, but that's what's happened. And then, the, and then you get all the injuries with the soldiers. Then with the civilians, all of this happening, and particularly children. Yes. Now, the only thing I would say, Elaine, is this. Look at the community resilience that's come out of Ukraine. It, it almost makes me choke to say that. Look at the way they, as a nation, as people, are holding themselves together and, I mean, it's, it's something that we all just ought to applaud almost that they're doing this. And that must be very, very helpful to them that they can, you know, it's like in the Second World War here, my parents were all involved with other people's parents um, and they were in the RAF or the Navy or the Army. And there was a huge community resilience in there. They all felt the same. They supported each other. And that helps to overcome a huge amount of trauma. doesn't get over the traumas of the death because that's happened or the injuries, but it does help the community ultimately to come to terms with it. Well, and I just want to say, I can't, we have like just a couple minutes left. It's gone by so fast this time, Clive, um, is I, I think that what you're saying is so important because amidst the horror of the war, there's something, I often say this, what else is true? And what's true is the amount of courage that's in the community members and yeah. how that feeds upon each other. And yeah. it actually, I've witnessed it close up in the Zoom calls I have almost every day, and it has been sacred. Yeah. And I think that's the part. And when you talk about that sixth stage of grief about meaning making, yes. I think that's another thing that's happening as a result. So, yeah. Clive, can you say <laughs> again, Action Traumas website, because I want to make sure people will come, more people will come to your um, symposium. I'm actually going. Um, I'm waiting for my passport to come. Hopefully, it will come in time. Yes, I will be presenting at the conference. We're willing you to be there in personally. Yes. Yes. I'm hoping to be. Yeah. Fingers crossed. So, give yeah. us the name of the website one more time. So, it's actiontrauma.com, www.actiontrauma.com. We have 40 speakers, and those 40 speakers are speaking over two days, and you can book your ticket either virtually or to turn up in person. And we will, you can watch this for six months after the event. So whatever ticket you buy gives you access to all of the talks for six months after the event. And I think that's really important because I think in, in our world today, even if you go in person, you may not be able to go to every presenter, but you'll yeah. still have access to go later to add. And you can be get, gain expertise just like Clive has. So, I, Clive, thank you so much. 
because it's very, it's late in Northern Ireland. It's like getting close to 10 o'clock. So yeah. thank you for coming and being with me. And I just want to say to our Voice America listeners, thank you for being here with us. You know that this is a program that believes in building resiliency, but also believes in understanding trauma. Remember, if you are faced right now with trauma in your life, what else may be true in your life? And maybe get some of the ideas that Clive has shared with us today about how you can cultivate your own well-being. And um, go for a walk. Pay attention to your steps. Go outside and see a beautiful view. Whatever kind of thing is a resource for you. And remember to notice those changes inside your body. So until we meet again in one week's time, um, be safe. Uh, Take care. And this is Elaine Miller-Karis for Resiliency Within on Voice America signing off. And thank you, Clive, so much for being here. It's been an absolute pleasure, Elaine. Thank you. And I wish you all the best of luck in the world and to all your wonderful listeners. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us this week for Resiliency Within. Please tune in again next Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Elaine Miller-Karras, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk again soon. Resiliency Within, with host Elaine Miller-Karras, is brought to you by Trauma Resource Institute, Incorporated. Visit TraumaResourceInstitute.com.